favorite Linux distro on this February 22nd, 2020. I am joined today by Alex. Hey, I'm either Arch or Fedora. I'm also joined by Sam. Uh, I'm the lady, the fork of Fedora. <laughs> Sad. I'm a puppy. I am here to be adorable for you and a little drunk. So forgive me if I go a little off the rails on this episode. Um, a little off the rails. A little. Just, just, we, we go so off the rails in general so you're uh, saying, on this podcast that it'll just be slightly more off the rails. Maybe. A, a lit fam? It's lit and fam. <laughs> no Pokemon about, this week. We're talking about Pokemon Sun and Moon. I'm Poplio. Do it. That was the last good Pokemon. So, isn't, uh, isn't Cinderor the Incineroar? The, the hell yeah! Final evolution. Yep. I. You just reminded me of some news. We got to add to the podcast. Well, the Incineroar is dope. Everybody knows that's not news. Yeah. yeah. This just in. Incineroar. Cool as hell. Uh, he's a wrestler and he's on fire. I'm and he fucking, every time he does a move, he just fucking flexes. He's like, ah! Yep. Hell yeah. Yeah. If you like Incineroar, let me talk to you about Score Bunny and how. <laughs> Macho Man uh, Randy Savage. He, uh, his final evolution is a soccer playing rabbit that's soccer always on violence. fire. That's his uh, special move. He's in a firm. That's what? a joke that only so people that, who understand a, football violence he, will know. Is he, is he a lawyer? Is that what that means? Uh, football violence gangs are called firms. There, there are names for soccer hooligan gangs. Yeah, a soccer hooligan, a gang of soccer hooligans is called a firm. And it's not like a group of owls is called a parliament of owls. Like, that's... That's what they, the inside term, inside soccer, football, hooliganism is, How, is that they call themselves a, firms. Can I, buy a, can I be a soccer hooligan partner? No, they're just called, there's no like, I think that. Um, there's no hierarchy? Are, yeah, there's no, it's just a flat hierarchy. It's, oh, it's a, it's a commune, it's a co-op. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, okay. What's the... Um, Elijah Wood and uh, I think Charlie Hunnam movie Green Street, okay. but none of these straight to DVD sequels to find out everything you need to know about football violence. All everything right. <laughs> gaming fix for everything you need to know about football violence. Yeah. Well, look forward to our soccer violence fix podcast coming mm. to you soon. But in the meantime. We're here to give you a fix of all the hottest and newest video games, starting with whatever Sam's been playing. Some hot shit out I've, of Japan. I've been playing something that's so new 
it came out multiple years ago. But uh, no, I've been playing something. How so new it's, is it? It's not even come out. Um, I can only give impressions so far because of the embargo is the end of the month, so it's in like six days. Um, but I have been playing Rune Factory Four Special. This is and a I, remaster of a 3DS game, yes? Yes. Um, it plays really well on the Switch. Um, it looks a lot like... Um, what was that Square Enix game that came out at launch? And it was like a sad JRPG. Funky Barn. Hmm. Uh, I am Setsuna. Octopath. Look, I am Setsuna. It looks uh, a lot yeah. like I am Setsuna. Like a Tokyo JRPG... Like, yeah. Factory thing. So yeah, it looks like it could have been made by Tokyo RPG Factory. It does look like kind of an up an upscale 3DS game as well. Like it reminds me of if you I don't know. It looks good is what I'm kind of trying to say, but a bit janky. Um, you can tell it's a remaster. Like it's a, clearly not a brand new for Switch game. Um, so if has anyone here ever played a Rune Factory? How aware of Rune Factory are we as a team? Oh, I know no. Rune Factory is a game coming out on the Nintendo Switch that was also on the 3DS. So Rune Factory is uh, Harvest Moon with JRPG elements made by the original Harvest Moon team. Uh, no. There is a DLC called Swimsuit Day. Where all the characters wear swimsuits, and some of these do not look like they are adults. Uh, the majority of the characters I've met do not look like they're adults. Um, I don't know if this so, girl is really tall, or if she's just been placed above the other people. Oh, there's separate uh, trailers. I'm going to Google this DLC. There's two separate trailers for Bachelors and Bachelorettes. Yeah, because you can be too... You can be male or female. Um, the two genders, bachelor or bachelorette. Yep. I mean, that's what those television shows have taught me. Yeah. The swimsuit day. Um, oh, yeah, one of them. So the one that's really tall at the back is the only one that I feel is an adult so far. Of all the characters I've met, everyone else seems like a teen. Um, okay. The main characters are the two in the very middle of this picture. Okay. So essentially you are you're a you are a person who falls out of the sky from an airship and lands on a dragon. The dragon is on the ground and the dragon is like, "Hmm. I'm going to get you to run my town." Like it's extremely contrived and weird. And she's like, "You're the prince I've been expecting." And you're uh-huh. like, I don't know, I have amnesia from falling out of this airship. And she's like, yeah, no, you're that prince I've been expecting. And then the actual prince turns up that she's been expecting. And he's like, yeah, I don't really fancy it. Why don't you just be the prince? <laughs> uh, so like, <laughs> you become this like, you become like the prince of this small town, which is very weird. That's very dumb. Um, yeah. So basically like, uh, it's Harvest Moon in that you have like your um, you have a field, you tend your crops. I'm growing turnips right now, um, and uh, you can also like build stuff. So 
currently I'm only able to like build furniture and things like that, but I'm going to assume that further down the line you can do some more stuff. Um, there's a big dating element, as you've seen in the Swimsuit Day DLC. Um, uh, but, sorry, I'm just watching our video. Is Saber from Fate's Day in this game? Oh, Because she no, looks exactly like Saber. <laughs> she does look me. exactly like Fate. Uh, Saber from Fate, yes. Holy crap, yeah. Um, like, <laughs> like 100%. I <laughs> Um, she is the character that I've been playing with a lot at the moment. Yeah. So um, I've basically got her as my companion, and we're running around the forest outside of the town, um, going into dungeons and like killing enemies and stuff. Huh. There's like some goblins, and uh, there's like a giant caterpillar that when you kill it, it turns into a girl, <laughs> and then the girl comes and lives in your town. <laughs> Okay, uh, and so like she's living in the town, and then like this elf woman turns up to the hospital because she's in the hospital because like you killed her when she was a caterpillar and she turned into a person. And the the this doctor is a Dark Souls her. game. It's weird. And uh, this elf woman turns up and she's like, "Ah, don't worry, this girl's going to live with me." And you're like, "Ah," and she's like, "No, don't worry about it. We're going." And the little girl's like, "Yeah, okay." So. The the game's super weird in a really charming way so far. I think anyone who likes Harvest Moon, Stardew Valley, um, will find something to love here. Um, it's really, really JRPG in the way that Stardew Valley wasn't. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. I'm enjoying it so far. I'd probably like... 10-ish hours in, and I think the story's like 50 hours. So um, I don't know how I don't know how far I'm going to get into it before I start writing up some impressions for the site. But so far, it is good. I don't know how I don't know how far I will go with it personally. It's not grabbed me in the same way that Stardew Valley did, or that the old Harvest Moon games have. Um, but uh, but yeah. Uh, uh, how, do, so you didn't touch this on the 3ds. No, I've literally never played a Rune Factory before. I've always wanted to play a Rune Factory. Every time I okay. see one come out, I'm like, I should play a Rune Factory. And when the 3DS one came out, I didn't have a 3DS. Mm. And I think the previous one was like a Vita game. And it was when I didn't have a Vita. It was like all the times when they come out, I've been like, oh, I should play that. But I didn't have a system to play it on. And Do I feel you know... like... Right, please continue. I feel like these farming games are like perfect for portable systems. So it's not the sort of thing that I would super want to sit down at the PS4 and play for like five hours. They are making a Room Factory 5 uh, for Switch, um, exclusively for Switch. It got announced on a Direct last year. So I'll probably give that a try as well, having enjoyed this so far. Uh, do you know what any of like the changes or how it translates from 3DS to Switch are? Like, is there second screen functionality that like changed or anything like that? Or did There's they add anything for the remaster? See. The stuff you can see was clearly second screen functionality. So um, on uh, on like when you pick dialogue options. They basically cover the whole screen, so I'm going to assume that those would have been on the second screen originally. Um, it's got some uh, touch controls, which is yeah. actually 
Yeah, it's going to ask how really the touch, touch, function, touch functionality is. So yeah, there's like touch functionality for the inventory, which I really like. Um, so it doesn't work for everything, but like for example, if I'm scrolling my inventory, I can just put my finger on the screen and scroll up, which is something that basically no Switch game has done. Um, yeah, in terms of new stuff, there's a new difficulty level, so there's like a hell difficulty. Shockingly, you may be surprised, but I'm not playing it on that difficulty level. What? Um, and uh, there's going to be a newlywed mode, which is basically after set after you marry one of the bachelor slash bachelorettes in the game. It's got so new cutscenes. Does that just start you like a weird like a, a a certain percentage of the way through the game, or is it like a new game plus? Or I think so. It's described here in the um, details that I got sent. That newlywed mode introduces special episodes about living the married life. So, okay, I think so it's like a separate there. thing. Yeah, it's like a separate story mode. I think it's like the salmon mode in Danganronpa. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I almost forgot about that. Thank you. I have completely not known about it. So there we go. All right. Well, that's interesting. It it just hmm. takes everything. It just focuses solely on like the relationship part of the yeah. game instead of mm, the love, other stuff. love across the universe. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so I think that the the majority of the main story is about meeting a husband or wife and getting married. So that's kind of like, I mean, the, there is a story which isn't anything about romance so far from where I've got, but knowing how the game is advertised for Bachelor and Bachelorette's trailers, uh, swimsuit, DLC, etc. Um, I'm fairly certain that the majority of the audience mostly cares about the husbando slash waifu uh, component. As far as I know, they cut the swimsuit DLC from Tokyo Mirage sessions. So Yeah, they did. Disgusting. This is censorship. In this TED talk, How many vagina way, bones are there in Rune Factory 4? <laughs> I didn't know the vagina had bones. I'm just going to Google this. Uh, <laughs> do vagina have bones? Um, <laughs> do vagina have bones? <laughs> so, there you go. That's it's a Rune Factory. Factory. <laughs> that's... Um, that's the, the the only person on this podcast who has a child has to Google "Do vagina have bone?" I, is that I cannot I make think, that the podcast title, can I? <laughs> you can. I mean, on one of our yeah, on Pornhub on, on one of our our mediums, we can. <laughs> Gotta boost um, those metrics. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Sorry. Anyways. All right. So, so Rune Factory 4, when is that coming out? Uh, it is out on the 28th of February, last day no. of the month. No, this is a no, leap year. a leap year. Fuck's sake. <laughs> An extra day to wait for Animal Crossing. Yep, so it'll be out on Friday, so next week. So um, before yeah, we hear so, the next episode of this podcast. Yeah, I, I haven't got far enough to say unequivocally you should play this game. The... The amount that I have played, I have enjoyed. Like I said, it's not grabbed me to like marathon it in the same way that Stardew Valley did, but I'm hoping that it will. Okay. 
there's like it's a lot more like magical magic focus than like a stardew right yeah your best friend is a dragon hell yeah uh, and Just not like, like real life. a cute little dragon like oh. it's like 20 feet tall and hell it yeah. sleeps in the hallway of the palace that you live in hell yeah so it's like you're you're friends with uh, what's his name shenron Shenron no, it's more like the dragon from big. Shrek. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> What's the name of the buff dragon from Namek? Trogdor? Oh, no. no. Oh, Purunga. Purunga. Uh, I thought, I thought when, you meant from when, uh, Ring Fit. <laughs> when, no. When Purunga turned up in Dragon Ball, I had to pause it because I was laughing too much. Like, <laughs> on Earth, they just had this skinny-ass, like, weak dragon that's like, <laughs> A cool Chinese dragon thing, but then they go to Namek, and the dragon is just extremely buff. Yep. And, yeah, he's got he's got and, arms, and, no and he's sense. just fucking ripped. Yeah, is uh, <laughs> ripped. It uh, looks like steroids. He's done a lot of dragon steroids. He he looks like Trogdor. Uh, no, yeah, I think yeah. Trogdor is less buff than <laughs> the the Namek dragon. Uh, I'm googling it. Um, to Alex so that he can uh, oh don't worry I'm already looking I'm already looking at it we have an image for this week's <laughs> podcast <laughs> it made me laugh so much anyway I, I was a kid when I saw that so it was, it was just like oh yeah no that's another fucking dragon like hell yeah but yeah I can I can see how in like 2019 or whatever when you watch that you were just like what the fuck it's <laughs> <laughs> so buff <laughs> He's got, also, he's extremely buff, but he only has four abs. <laughs> you know, you know, he's not about that. Like, you know, eating too much chicken breast. He's just like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work out, but I'm not gonna like do it for the vanity. I'm gonna do it for the fitness. Uh, he's a real I'm one for fitness pizza in my mouth. Speaking of um, <laughs> other things, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, Todd Howard. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, while to- Todd Howard deals with the uh, fallout of hearing what happened with uh, GeForce Now, uh, we'll maybe move on to Alex. Oh, oh? Uh, unless Sam, we, uh, I think he was just uh, Sam can continue to talk and throwing his arms in okay. a circular yeah, motion. No, he's, uh, Sam's just hooting and hollering yeah. uh, for my sick burns. Yeah. Uh, uh, but Alex, I don't know. Wait, did, did we want while Todd Howard is in screamy mode? Did we want to talk about the game that Sam has never brought to this podcast before? Ever? Cold Steel? Yeah, which has definitely never been I mean, talked about. I don't think he I don't think he can talk right now. Oh, I think he, okay. he wants to I think he wants to spare the podcast listeners from uh Todd Howard's uh wails of lament at the uh fact that he found out Fallout 76 is no longer playable on uh GeForce Now. So that is one fewer places that people can enjoy or not enjoy Fallout 76. True. So, uh, Alex, what have you been playing? What, what have you hey, been man. doing? You know, you know, existing, working, living. But in terms of video oh, yeah. games, I actually have one this week because Ooh. the past couple I have not. Um, I have completed, finally, uh, one Kentucky Route Zero. Ooh. Uh, I think Sam was playing it. I don't know if he finished it. Uh, so I, I don't know. Yeah, he, I finished it. Um, I intend to mm-hmm. someday. Do you know? Do you know which act and maybe even chapter you're on? Uh, I just finished the concert, which I think oh. is in Act Three. 
Yes. Uh, yeah, that one's a good. That's a good scene. Um, so yeah, I'll try and sum up my feelings on it really quick, and then we can dive into some parts of it where I think the last act is probably the best act of the entire thing. It's like the whole last hour or hour and a half, however long it takes you. Uh, it's interesting. It's really cool. And then the very last scene of the entire game, uh, I think, was extremely well done and really nails what they were going for, which is nice because. I think that, like, I wasn't technically. I'm a person who waited all those years. I picked up uh, the first chapter when it came out back on PS3, uh, and enjoyed it enough then, and then didn't touch it until the re-release here, or until the full release, I should say. Um, Which I think is a lot of people. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. There's probably a lot of people who did the same thing. So, like, I, I wasn't the kind of person who played every chapter and then waited for the next one. So, I, I kind of play the interstitial on like over the phone. Um, I did play those in this release, but I did not play them as they not, were, as, but not as they, as were they came out. out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I was kind of experiencing it all in one block, which was nice. Um, and yeah, I think the very end of that game nails nails everything which that game was going for. Uh. And I think the entertainment interstitial, the that thing is actually really good. I was told beforehand, hey, maybe don't even play that. It seems like something you would hate. But actually, that was probably my favorite part of the game because it was just like watching do, a decent play. I yeah, I enjoyed it as I was playing it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I do. I do think that it's the most pretentious game I've ever played. Oh yeah, I didn't get, I didn't, I didn't get to that part yet. Where I was going to say, so the last act I really liked, the very ending I liked, the entertainment I liked, and the rest of it I did not like at all. (laughs) I like the game, but there's loads of bits where I'm like, what's like, okay, like the the art gallery in section one is terrible. Like Pat was like, oh, I really liked it, and I'm like. Bro, are we playing a different game here? Like this, it felt like. Uh, yeah, Bubsy visiting the James Terrell retrospective. Exactly. It yeah, it was crazy. It, I was like, why would anyone enjoy this? Yeah. Um, but then also, I know, like, I didn't know whether I'd be alone on that because I felt like it reminded me of how I felt playing Edith Finch. Where I was like, hmm, this just isn't for me for those sections. But I do really like the like weird world bit, like the 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 actual game. I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, Cheska asked me an interesting question yesterday, which in itself was a pretty mundane one, but it made me think about it. Where she's like, okay, if you were going to write a review for it, what score would you give it out of ten? Uh, which you know, pretty standard question. But then it made me think. If I was looking at this objectively versus what I would rate it, those would be two very different ratings. Like I think if we're talking about objectively how it's made, like the skill that was put into it and like uh, the competency of the programming and the writing and stuff, I'd probably rate it like a seven or an eight overall. Uh, I don't think I'd go as high as a nine or a ten because she was asking out of ten. Um, for me, I'd probably give it a three. Personally, because I was so off put by how pretentious some of the writing was, like it was trying so extremely hard. Um, like, it, it, I'm surprised it, that people that I really respect, like Austin Walker, are saying that it's like an incredible world, world changing piece of writing. Well, I definitely felt it was very pretentious. 
like I think I don't know whether it's just communicating directly to people yeah who like, like want to write essays about video games yeah like I think the writing is objectively good but it also feels like like we like we pretentious is the best word for it because uh it's just it's doing its damnedest to show you like oh I'm a good writer basically and I'm going to take this to some weird places and you know it's going to be swimming in metaphor and analogy and simile and like it's going to use all these literary devices and it's going to do all right with them but like it just comes across as trying very hard like um I the like there's just little things about the writing that bother me like yeah this writing is pretty good but you've you've um in parentheticals used the word sardonic like 15 times in a row it's like yeah i get it sardonic's a good word but like <laughs> like i think that was actually in the entertainment uh even though i liked the entertainment um i it's think one of those things where they like looked under the a thesaurus, and they're like, "Oh, sardonics. That's that's a good word. It is a good and word." It's like, I'm going to overuse it. Yeah, but like, there's some things. Um, light spoiler. Uh, there's one main. There's a couple of main characters that are there throughout the entire game, uh, from or at least most of the game. And one of these main characters, just they're building up this character, and there's an overarching narrative to this character throughout the entire thing and you're like oh I wonder how they're going to wrap, wrap it up in the last chapter because we know there's a last chapter but like halfway through act four they just kind of dismiss that character and they're just gone <laughs> and it's done without any fanfare without any um, like they don't give it any weight it's just like oh it happens over the course of about five minutes and it's like oh okay uh, hey that character's gone now and everybody's on the, all the crew that you're with are like oh He's gone. They're gone. Okay. Bye. Uh, let's continue. And it's just like, okay. So when it comes to an overall narrative, I was just super, uh, I was super put off by it because it, it, by the end, like the first three chapters, it feels like it is going for uh, an overarching one, like you're telling one story over the course of a, several acts. And it's the same characters and it's the same story. And that's cool. But by probably the end of the third act, you start to see this, and by the fourth act, you really see this, uh, where it just turns into a bunch of like, um, like just little stories. It's just little inconsequential stories. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's no longer about the overall narrative. It's just telling these one-off kind of. Uh, I can't even think of the word that I was. Going to use yesterday, but whatever. they're like fables. Like they're trying to tell, a, give you a meaning through a story, but not really concerned with how good the story is. Yeah, and um, none of them are connected to the main story. Like they're relatively inconsequential. Uh, I know I, I mentioned that in our chat, and Pat said, "Yeah, but they're like all metaphor and analogy for other things." And I'm like, "Yeah, but they're not related to the main story." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which which like, they which they've been setting up for three acts before that, and, and they could have. Easily, like, I felt like one and two have a really nice, cool, cohesive story. Yeah. And what I've played of three is like, just go around a bit. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I feel like the story that was in one and two was cool as hell. And the reason that I've probably not picked it up, well, it's mostly because I've been playing Broom Factory. But um, <laughs> the, like, I, I'm just not drawn to pick up where the story is currently because all the cool weird stuff isn't really happening anymore. Yeah, like the, I don't the, know. 
Yeah, there was really cool stuff. Like the very ending of the first chapter is very cool. You're like, oh, they're going into this mm. tunnel. What's that going to be? And like the yeah. ending of the second one is very cool. It's like, oh, I'm very interested in what comes next. And then from the third one kind of on, it just kind of turns into I'm going to flex my writing muscles and not going to care about the overall story anymore. Which like, hey, for some people that's going to hit super hard and for those it does all the power to you. I just actively disliked most of it. Like To be honest, by about halfway through the fourth chapter or fourth act, um, I was just skipping through dialogue because I didn't care anymore. Uh, I just kind of wanted to see what I remember you saying went. you were thinking about stopping playing. Well, that's because I ran into a a bug <laughs> where I had talked to some characters in an order I don't think they were supposed to be talked to, and then that caused a soft lock. And ah, the Skyward Sword special, yeah, which mm. which kind of made me like, okay, that's really stupid. Basically, they kind of um, you're supposed to talk to you're in a bar, and you're supposed to talk. You're obviously supposed to talk to the bartender first, and then you can talk to like this, these people at the table, and then the performer on stage. I talked to the performer on stage first because obviously I was like, oh, that's like the last person you're supposed to talk to. Let's do this. And then that performer has you do a little like side questy thing that takes about a minute. Um, did that, went back to talk to the bartender and the like click the button and where you would expect dialogue to show up, it just was blank. And the bartender's facing away, facing the stage. And um, <laughs> it's just there. And I pushed every button on, on my Switch because I moved over to Switch. Um, I popped in and out of the menu, come back in, tried to pause, nothing was working, so I had to restart it. And when uh, when I restarted the game, hit load, it threw me back to the very start of the act. So that was neat. Oh, Yuck. Yeah, I lost but, like four and a bit hours of um, Trials of Cold Steel 1. Mm. And like I kind of was like, oh, do I, I don't know whether I want to replay that. I don't know <laughs> I want to replay it. Um, but then I was like, oh wait, if I put it on turbo mode... Uh, battles are four times as fast, and the open world movement is twice as fast. Yeah, uh, you can <sighs> skip all dialogue by just holding circle down. Like they've massively made it helpful for replays. So the nice, uh, the nice thing about Kentucky Route Zero is that at the start of the first chapter, you have a pretty reasonable move speed, and then by the end of the first chapter, your move speed is glacial because your character's leg gets injured. And so the rest of the yep. game speed move speed is glacial, so that <laughs> that really awesome. isn't an option in uh, uh, are Zero. You, are you happy that you decided to push through and replay all that and then get through the end of the game? I think the end of the game is good. I think the last cha- uh, last act is objectively good. Um, you play as a character that is. I, I've heard it is the the final act or like final chapter is good and interesting and unique and so I don't want to get too spoiled on it but yeah I think like I think it's even um it's the kind of thing you could play only that act and be fine like if you had if you looked at the wikipedia entry for what's kind of happening with the story up until that point you would be you would be good enough to get in there with the context needed to just see that last hour and be and still I could appreciate read it. Wikipedia to get good. Exactly. That's that's our strategy guide of 2020. Is it Wikipedia? Sick. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I didn't like it. Uh, I think it's objectively good, but I did not enjoy it at all, <laughs> except for the ending. Ooh, we have a new <laughs> Twitch follower. Thank you to Damage Boost Podcast. Oh, Damage Boost Podcast. They are a good group. But but yeah. Hell Anyways. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to poop on it too much because I know Pat likes it. So I, it's maybe a conversation we'll have another day. In approximately 11 months. 
I don't know yeah, what we'll be talking so. about. No, it, I, don't, I don't think it'll <laughs> count. I think we've already determined that it's not eligible for Game of the Year 2020. I think it's eligible because it's, it's, I think it's finished eligible. in 2020. Yeah. Same way Life is Strange 2 was eligible last year. Yeah. But it also mostly released in 2019. Not 90% of it, 80% of it released in 2020, whereas 20% of uh, Kentucky Route Zero released in 2020. For an episodic game, I think it qualifies the year it finishes. Yeah, and it's much like um, if something was in early access for ten years, we would consider it when it comes out at one point zero. We can we can debate that at the time. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't have a. I do not have an issue with it being uh, being uh, eligible. I, I believe I brought it up, and I think Pat was the one who said no. Uh, so you know, if right. Pat's the one who likes it most, and he says no, then. You know, I'm, I mean, TV edition is new for this year, isn't it? It is. Um, but yeah, I would, personally, I would say that I think it qualifies. However, I don't think it's worth talking about it very much because it probably won't make the list. Yeah, um, I, I think... Mean, I we're think, only in February and there have not been many games. Like, let's come on. Yeah, Sam, I think you should there, finish there it. There are good games. Yeah, I think you should finish it, but maybe anticipate skipping through a lot of dialogue in, uh, in Act 4. I can't do that. I just can't skip dialogue. I have to read it. Oh, well, then you're you're not going to have a great time. <laughs> um, you're going to have a bad time. I, so, yeah, I have one other thing to talk about. It's not a video game, though. If you if you want to just jump into it for a little bit, yeah, um, yeah, with it. It is a book that I've been reading for like uh, probably a couple weeks uh, and finished it. Actually, last week I intended to, but we went a little long, so just kept it out. Uh, it is a book called Invisible Women. I don't know if, oh, if guys, I, I believe Sam loves the Fantastic Four. <laughs> I do love Fantastic Four. <laughs> well, this, is this the book for you then? <laughs> um, so it is a, it's kind of a book based around statistics, uh, <laughs> which, you know, very much like the Fantastic Four, uh, pure statistics. Uh, you're talking about means and averages and deviations, standard deviations, blah, blah, blah. Like that's pretty common in Fantastic Four, right? No. <laughs> okay. The look Sam is giving you. Uh, I was reading a tweet and not listening. Okay. Sorry. That's how much Sam loves the Fantastic Four. I do. Um, um, and statistics and standard means of deviation. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm going to say right now. I cannot read nonfiction books. I don't find them interesting. I struggle so hard with nonfiction books. I read a lot of fiction. But I don't read any nonfiction books. Apparently, you also yeah. struggle with conversations about nonfiction books. <laughs> well, I basically, Alex talked about it and was like, ah, oh, a nonfiction book. And I was just like, mm, I'll tune out here. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting because the first thing I was going to say is this seems like it should be required reading for most white guys. <laughs> yeah, so I'm tuning out. Okay. Yeah. You don't qualify. <laughs> um, but no, I'm um, uh, British. So. <laughs> I'm not white, I'm British. Interesting enough, um, the writer of this book is from the UK. So she uses a lot of Britishisms and there's a lot of uh, UK specific kind of stuff that I actually had to look up. Bollocks. Yep. She said she called people pillocks. Um, she, she, she used the term bell end at one point, I think. Oh, hell yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's pronounced bell end. So it's all one word as if it's a single syllable. Bellend. Bellend. Got it. Um, but anyways, what this book is about is um, 
it, it's a very feminist book. It's very much like the perspective of, uh, hey, you know how in the world it seems like we're doing a good job at getting kind of the gender equality thing right, and uh, like the gender data gap is what she specifically talks about. Uh, but she's pointing out, no man, it's super fucked. And it's just the fact that dudes are not paying attention to it, and it's not necessarily their fault. It's just because, like, it's it's actually a fault of how we take notes on statistics and how we take notes on uh, surveys and stuff like that. Like they talk about um, one of the examples they give is police officers, and they're like, okay, yeah, we have lots of women police officers. That's awesome. Uh, and these police officers, they use standard issue uh, uh, like bulletproof vests or Kevlar or whatever, right? Especially in like special task forces. But the thing is that all of those, like no matter what, they're designed for men first and the women just kind of have to fit into them. And they talk about, well, that's that's okay. I mean, they still get some of the protection, but then you have a woman in a bulletproof vest or Kevlar, let's just say bulletproof vest, um, who wants protection from stuff but because it's designed for a man it's not designed to have breasts in it so that automatically means that uh, it is going to be lifted further away from her chest and there's a greater chance that she could get stabbed from the side so it's not actually providing that much protection and also like you know like it's it's just because they were designed for dudes first like that kind of thing uh, like more dudes. kevlar vests designed for women yeah of course but it, it's a very objective book like there's not there's almost no subjectivity it's very much mm-hmm. dealing in actual statistics like there are so many citations across the entire book like there are pages and pages and pages of bibliography at the end where, where you can read actual like uh, uh, scientific journals and research studies and stuff like that um, and it's extremely well done uh, I think it changed my perspective on a few things which is good uh, which I think is probably what they're going for. And like I said, it seems like the kind of thing that should be required reading for uh, most dudes, especially white dudes. <laughs> because on top of like gender differences, they also go into racial differences. Uh, they go into things like how things were handled after Hurricane Katrina and stuff like that, and how it was largely black women that were, like single mom black women that were, were screwed over by uh, the relief efforts and stuff like that. So... It's it's a really heavy read. It is not pleasant. It's the kind of thing where you're going to want to read a chapter and then maybe watch some SpongeBob or something to get you know reset yourself. But like SpongeBob the Musical, preferably. Uh, but it's a hundred percent worth reading. I think it's probably one of the better books I've read in many years. All cool. right. Yeah. Do they do they talk at all about the video game industry? A lot. Yeah. There's like actually okay. several sections that are talking about video game industry, especially like demographics of women players and uh, mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff. Like, I don't even say that as like, oh, how can we tie it into the podcast? And like, but like, because it's such a massive industry mm-hmm. and, you know, there's kind of a dearth of women with like major representation in like leadership and stuff. So I was, yeah. I was Actually, curious if they actually touch on any of that. Yeah, the the video and game like industry tech in general. Yeah, so. tech in general also gets talked on. They talk about like uh, represent or like not representation, but um, how in the tech industry women hires are considered novelty still. 
like by a lot yeah. of like they're like oh we want to hire another women so we fill out our our quota for diversity whereas like mm-hmm. so like there's just this automatic looking at a woman and being like oh she might not be as good as a man but we'll get her in there because we need her but like yeah. like that kind of thing and stuff like in scientific studies how a lot of women publish their names with their first two initials because it's been proven that if people see a very feminine name at the start they're not going to take it as seriously like stuff like yeah. that so it's it's and really interesting yeah it's yeah i have uh, an interesting story about um non-feminine names which i can't talk about on air we sure. can talk about it off off air it's very it's very interesting check it out on twitter Great we'll podcast. be talking about it there yeah Actually, names actually. are names are weird. Yep. Uh, mm. Whether it's the name of a video game, a person's name, uh, you know, what's in a name? Would a, a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet? Um, <laughs> all right. Well, a uh, a Trails of Cold Steel na- game by any other name would be just as long, uh, which Sam would like to report on as he has finished Trails of Cold Steel One. And moved on to Trails of Cold Steel 2. Yeah, okay, so we'll keep this short and sweet, which I say every time and then talk 15 minutes. Um, Everyone who has listened previously knows how good I think Trails of Cold Steel number one is. Um, So Trails of Cold Steel 2 is like a fully proper direct sequel. Um. And in a way that I haven't really seen in a JRPG before, like you literally, the first game ends, and if you boot up Cold Steel two, it ends in the final. It starts in the final scene of Cold Steel one. Um, it it feels like they split the same game in half, which what it's what something they actually did do for Trials in the Sky. They realized the game was too long, and they split it in half, and then they were like, "Why don't we do a sequel?" So that's why that has three games in that series, whereas Trials of Cold Steel is like a four-chapter game. Um, so it ends in an extremely, extremely cool way. Um, are either of you guys interested in playing it? Probably not. Yeah, it's, just it's because a bit too much of an investment right, for right now for me. Yeah, that's there's where a I'm lot at. Of time. The, the investment is far too much. Okay, so if anyone's curious about playing this, I'm just going to spoil the end of the game, first game here very lightly in like a mechanic spoiler. Um, and if Pat, if you're listening, don't listen to this. Um, so Pat's wife. Hello. <laughs> um, so basically, um, throughout the game, you've been going to the old schoolhouse, which is on the land of the school that you work at. Or work at, sorry, you study at. And uh, you've been working your way through it and it's been like testing you. And when you finally get to the bottom level of the dungeon, there is uh, like a huge boss and you defeat it. And it feel and it's like it's the boss is teased in the opening cinematic. So it's clearly like a big deal. And it felt like it was the final boss. And I'm like, oh, cool. Final boss done. And then there'll be a little bit of um, and then there was going to be like a school festival. And I'm like, OK, so it'll be final boss slice of life section, move on to the next game. What actually happens is you get to the bottom, you defeat the final boss, and then like a door opens and there's a giant robot. Like Sick. it's there is a it's basically it's a Gundam. There is a Gundam there. Uh it looks super cool. 
And uh, during then you do the school festival, which has a concert, which where all your characters sing songs. Uh, then there's um, there's a like cat really wants to get in this room. So there's some scratching at the door. And um, so and then like the concert, the thing finishes, and you're like trying to look for one of the other characters in the game. And it turns out that one of the characters that's been on your team is the main villain. Is the main villain wears a mask, and so throughout the whole game, they, they you've been fighting against this guy, and they take off their mask, and you're like, oh, uh, and then the main villain assassinates like a huge major political figure, and then the next thing you see is when he escapes this assassination, he escapes in a giant mech, and you're like, what's going on? So basically, the most advanced technology that we have seen so far has been like a motorbike, and now there are mechs. Um, and like, suddenly, multiple mechs turn up. There's a huge the civil war that's been brewing the whole game. It's has, become like, Metal Gear. Yeah, it's kicked off. And like, so you, and then suddenly the mechs invade the academy. And there's a very cool bit where all the teachers who um, they've talked a lot about how all the teachers are like war heroes, but they bring them all out. And like the principal of the school has like a staff with a sword on the end, like a full size staff, uh-huh. with like a claymore on the other end. It's huge. And he just like takes out one of these mechs in like two hits. Um, but there's loads of them. And like the teachers are protecting one end of the highway and the students, your class run to the other end and you like take on this mech, and then you take on a, and you beat it, and you take on a second one, and the second one like absolutely trashes you, and then you're like okay, and then suddenly like words like flash up on the screen, everything goes black and white, and the mech that's in the old schoolhouse flies out, like, and the main character gets in it, and then like there's a whole new battle mechanic with mechs that is only in the game for the last twenty minutes. Mm. Uh, it's it's really cool. Um, and uh, that now, so basically you're split, your entire class is all split up at the end of the first game uh, after the final boss battle. And you, and so you wake up like near your home and the main character doesn't go home in the first game. So you get to see, like you meet your fair, you get to meet your family, you get to meet the town, see the town he's from. Um, and there's like, evil magic mechs roaming the land that you have to take out with your mech but you're also going around to the places you went in the previous game seeing how the civil war has changed everything and also trying to recruit back your characters so i'm super enjoying it so far um they've already like they're adding characters to the party that were npcs in the first game which is really cool Mm -hmm. um so they're basically like the first game is really rigid as well, so it's like on a very it's on a monthly structure. So at the beginning of the month you have a free day, then you have uh like a social section, a combat test, and then you go out in the field to do a, a quest. Whereas now, like there is no monthly structure, it's more like a traditional linear RPG. But yeah, I'm really interested to see where it goes. I've heard how good the third one is, so. Um, I'm not sure I understand. Thanks, Siri. 
<laughs> she doesn't get how good it is. She doesn't believe you. Yeah, she doesn't like JRPGs. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was so... When the mech turns up at the end of the second game and you get to have a turn giant turn-based combat in a mech, it's very cool. That sounds pretty dumb. Um, like, in a good yeah. way. So, like, um, normally, the like you have just one-on-one combat as normal, but when you're in a mech and you're fighting another mech, you can target body parts. Mm. And basically, mechs have multiple stances, and in each stance, one of their body parts is vulnerable. Right. So you're trying to work out which body part is vulnerable in which stance. Um, because you can, if you try and attack a body part that isn't vulnerable, they will dodge it and they'll counterattack you. Mm-hmm. Um so do you know if the the next entries in the series are bigger in scale then? Like is there going to be more mech warfare or or do you, do you have no idea? So. I would think so. Um there's some stuff going on where like the main character because the main character can drive a mech mm. like the characters that were with you at the time are like linked to you. So I'm thinking maybe they can also pilot. Um, yeah. I'm, That's interesting. Yeah, I'm super interested. Yeah, I'm really, really curious to see where it goes. I have been mildly spoiled. I basically read the blurb for 2 and 3, that, like the back-of-the-box blurb, so I knew that there was going to be a civil war because the back-of-the-box box blurb for 3 says, after the Erebonian civil war is over... <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So obviously the Civil War's going to happen. That's, so what you said about the mechs and stuff, that sounds like the kind of shit that I would want to happen in a JRPG where just like they introduce like a new mechanic and it's like totally off the wall and you're like, wait, everything is like totally changed, which I I feel like doesn't happen often. That's why you like Rumpa V3, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's the last the last even, act totally fucks everything before. That's it. that's like a that's like a story thing. But yeah. like, I think mechan- if like you know it's mechanically changing. Sure. There's not like totally a, not a lot yeah. mechanically changes. Like you know you can do the most you know like a really interesting story, but then mechanically nothing really changes. And I think if you're gonna go for it at the end of a JRPG, you need to like, you know, give me some ridiculous powers. You know, if I'm going to kill God in like a Shin Megami Tensei or a Persona game or whatever, mm. get, let me do some wild shit. Totally. Um, yeah. Also, towards the end of the game, they introduced like real magic. So magic in the game is basically like you charge up like a crystal and do a power. Yeah. But then they're like, oh, there's actual like there's a whole thing with a co- an evil coven of witches and uh, witches having a familiar uh, and like one of the characters in the team turns out to be a witch and she has a talking cat and the cat's very cool um, and the cat like joins your party. It's it's good. I would totally recommend uh, recommend playing it to people who are interested. And like the stuff that I've said today, yes, I spoiled quite a few bits of it. But like that doesn't the journey. Yeah, the journey is totally worthwhile. I discovered three quarters through playing that game that there are hidden side quests in every section of the game that you only get by talking to the right people. Um so now I kind of had the urge to replay it and 
try talking to people and <laughs> seeing whether there's new stuff. Oh no! I, well. I apparently you have to re, you have to play two twice because uh, the third game assumes you have seen side quest content that you can only get in the new game plus. Visit fix.space to see all the hottest takes on Trails of Cold Steel. I I will try and write a review this weekend if I have time for the first one. One. (laughs) And come back in six months for Trails of Cold Steel 2. To be fair, it's been like... 10 hours in. I was going to say, it's been like three months. It's not that bad. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And I, it's, just, it's funny because we were in like a game of the year mode and like, okay, we have to like finish the 2019 games and Sam's just trails of cold steel. <laughs> yeah. That game came out in 2019, technically, on PS4. Uh, yeah, technically. It's not eligible for any awards. But you, you, you can play whatever everything you can play whatever you like. <laughs> it's eligible for every award. Eligible for 2019 game of my heart, but yeah, but looking forward instead of back, Andre, you, you played something that is eligible for this year, didn't you? Uh, yes, something that is inevitable that everyone will deal with. Uh, diarrhea, people. Uh, I did not play diarrhea. Uh, Dump in the dark is not eligible <laughs> for uh, game of the year 2020. Sadly, I played, I, I think it was an early access actually, uh, but it just came out. Uh, which is Death and Taxes, which is a, uh, I want to say a Papers, Please-like, hmm. uh, but with like a comedy, like a comedic, a light, a light comedic touch. Uh, you are playing the like a Grim Reaper in a bureaucratic um, system who is responsible for deciding who lives and who dies in uh, various scenarios like uh, so each day you're given like a set of you know you're given a set of people who are in life or death situations and uh, you're given a quota uh, sometimes or you're given various quotas you're like six people need to die today or and then sometimes you're given like extra like you need to kill two people under the age of 35 or something like that and so you need to uh combine those things and you get like and then you get your paycheck for uh adhering to the uh specific criteria uh it's got kind of it's like kind of a visual novel like there are like branching paths and you can impact the way things play out um and so as you're choosing who lives and who dies you get like every every day when you go to your desk you'll get like a basically Twitter notifications of like news stories of here's what happened like in the world. And it'll be like, Oh, because like, you know, um, like this person died doing like this stunt person died doing a sick flip off of a building, but then they're like their support broke and then they died or this person, this archeologist who you let live, like uncovered some ancient, uh, ancient inf- uh, bacterial bacteria that is now infecting humans and causing an epidemic across the world and stuff like that. Topical. So you're like looking at all the, like as you get these notifications on your phone, some of them are like the fallout of the choices you made before. And some of them are like, 
oh, fracking, like U.S. governments have found fracking to be like a cause of um, like earthquakes or something like that. And then you'll be like looking at your your files for the day and you're like, oh, this person's a fracker. Uh, like, you know, because it's got like their um, job and their age and stuff like that, their name. And then like a little bio about them. And so based on that information, you're deciding, hmm, does this person live or die? And so there are multiple endings. So you can decide like if you kind of go along with just like the bureaucratic nightmare, you'll get a certain ending. Or if you fight back and kind of rebel slightly, you get a different ending and, uh, you know, is, as much rebel as much as you want. Is it a long game? Like, does it kind of afford you the ability to see both of those options pretty reasonably? Uh, I, there, are, there are numerous endings. Like, mm. it's like kind of a combination of endings. Uh, so I played through once in a couple hours. Like, I played through one time in one sitting. And I got like, I think it's like three endings, mm. like in like a single like finish. Cause so it's like a conglomerate, it's a combination of like the effects you had on like the environment and society and like people. Like, um, there's like, there's like public health and then there's like public, uh, like societal cohesion or something. I don't know how to describe it, sure. but basically um, com- community, I guess. Uh, so there, are, I think there are like five kind of categories and then there's like the story element too, that can also play into that. And so I think there are like maybe like 15 ending bits that you can get. I, I believe you can, there's a gallery on the main page that you can look at. Um, and like kind of you can see how many choice or like options there are for the end. Uh, the the narrative is not like the most engaging. Like it's. It's interesting to like go through these things and get the. Like, OK, who am I going to choose to live and die in these situations, mm-hmm. um, even though you're not you don't like you don't have any personal connection to these characters. It is like, a OK, who am I going to choose like. This person is like obviously just like absolute trash, but I have to keep like I have to kill six people and only one of them is like a clear cut. Like I, I, this person can die. And then like I've got five, you know, I've got like seven other people and five of them need to die. Who do I choose and why? Uh, so that's interesting. And it's like kind of me musing on you know death and the human experience and all that stuff when you choose for a person to die do you have any interaction with them like do you get some no this is all bureaucratic um this is all just you're putting a stamp on a piece of paper and then faxing it off okay because one of the appeals of uh papers please to me was the fact that you were always dealing with the person directly in front of you which which is where Uh, which would lead to like the person that's like uh Hey, my husband behind me. Like when you know that one character where it's like you have to choose if the 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 next person in line gets to pass or not because there might be like abuse or whatever going on, uh, or if they make it to the other side, they'll be sold into slavery or something like that. So, yeah, I think that's like one of the weakest points of the game is mm-hmm. you've 
not got personal interaction with these people that you're deciding if they live or die. You're just, you know, putting live or die on their check sheet. And one of the, I think one of the strong things is they, they, you can't like swap back and forth really. You can't be like, you can't waffle. So you like, as soon as you mark them, Mm you're locked in oh, so you can get an item you can get a single use item that lets you change one of your choices mm. but you do have to like commit as soon as you hit the thing and you, there are like various items there's like cosmetic stuff so you can change the way your grim reaper looks like i had a fancy cat in like a red and gold suit you can get like some dio de los muertos stuff you can get dog uh, like some Cthulhu stuff. Uh, so they've got like weird um, stuff like that. And there's like some visual novel-y like stuff that's like doing the story in between the bureaucratic stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a neat thing. It's pretty, I think it's like 10 bucks right now until the 28th. And then it's going to go up to like 15 us. I think is what it is. Do you think, uh, do you think that's fair for it? 13. Yeah. I, th- I think it's fair for the price and uh, the music is very good. I think it's uh, like you can get a little radio to put on your desk mm-hmm. uh, and it's, I'd say it's pretty solid. I enjoyed all the music. There's also a demo you can play, but the demo is, I, so I played the demo before I bought it. Um, and the demo is a little bit, more black and white than the actual game is like every every choice i made in the demo i was like oh well i'm obviously going to kill this person this person this person they're terrible like it's not even a question like this person is like bad and this person's bad and this person's good it's not really a choice so i I was like i was kind of iffy on it but when i actually got the game it seemed more um nuanced a li- it seemed a little more um gray yeah. but it didn't seem like like those characters were still in it so i don't know if it's like a random assortment of characters or like a random assortment of people or if it's just they rebalanced the uh the choices do, do you know if there's a very specific ending or if there's any consequence to just killing everyone just saying die on everyone I'm assuming there is a there is a consequence or like an ending for that. Right. Yeah, but it's not something that they're going to push against you for. They're not going to be like, "Hey, you're doing too much of your job." I, I mean, narratively, yes, mm-hmm. but you could like. I don't. There's no reason you couldn't do that. Yeah. I just I don't know if that would like cut the game short, or if it would you would go through because it's like. Basically, you're on like a month timeline. So it's like you're on a February timeline. Actually, it's 28 days. Okay. Uh, so, but they do like weird stuff with time and they like weird stuff. Like they spend a lot of time in the interstitial bits, like um, kind of philosophizing and stuff, talking about uh, like the human experience and what does it mean to die? Uh, the you know, Sorry, and the people talking about this are the Grim Reapers? Are the Grim Reaper and your boss, who is named Fate, which is just like a guy with a cat. Sick. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. So, and, and he, basically, your character was 
conjured uh, at the start of the game. And so you are conjured and set to work as a Grim Reaper immediately. And there's like, oh, is there a Grim Reaper for, you know, plants, for (laughs) buildings, for non-living things? And yes, there are Grim Reapers for plants. And at one point I did have to choose some plants to live and die. I hope you. Then I had there were like there was fallout to those choices. Did, did you let the succulents live? Uh, succulents were not on my list. Good, because they shouldn't die. But there, like, I think it if there were more ways to see the impact of what you were doing. Yeah, totally. It would be, I think, more interesting. Other than just like, here's a Twitter like headline for a new story. Yeah, uh, but yeah. you know, check out people should check out the demo and see if they're into it it's like seven days of in-game stuff and so you kind of get the basic idea you get like the basic idea of what you're doing but it also it leaves out like a lot of the interstitial stuff that you do between days which is is not a lot but it is like where a lot of the narrative happens cool uh so yeah that's on steam death and Death and taxes there's a free demo and it's 974 on the US Steam and it's going to be $13 after the 28th. So, neat. Not a huge uh, burden on people. Then the other thing, oh god. I I hearken back to my high school days about 10 years ago. This game came out called Halo Reach on the Xbox 360. I graduated university when that game came out. Just my my friends left during lunch to go pick up their preview copy or their pre-order copies from GameStop and then came back to school and were like, oh, yeah, I got Halo Reach and like cuddling it during lunch. Yeah, I I graduated from. Why do you have why is that not just in your car? Like, why do you have it with you? What are you doing? Yeah, Sam, I had graduated from my first degree when Halo Reach came out. So I was a junior in high school. (laughs) Um Anyway, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, so they they put it out on PC recently. Uh, with like the first bit of the Master Chief collection as they slowly roll it out, and I was like, oh, I want to I want to check this out because I had a good time playing that with my friends. I nine eighty percent of my time with the Master or with Halo Reach was on just LAN, not online. Yeah, and. I th- it's it was weird. I played it with keyboard and mouse because it's on PC. So what the hell are you gonna play it with? It felt weird. Like it didn't feel right to play with keyboard and mouse. And I think that's just because I think shooters now are so much faster. Yeah, like like more you're not more responsive. Limit. More responsive. Like you know, I turned up. Um, I turned up sensitivity and like my DPI and stuff. And it was still just like something was weird. Like the movement speed was slow. Your, your sprint is like on a timer, like a countdown. That was bizarre. Um, I played through like most of the first mission, but I didn't end up finishing because I had some other stuff to go do. Um, And then I played one match of uh, like team slayer online like I'm not rain and blood or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Slayer. Uh, so yeah, just one match of the multiplayer, which took me a while to match into. Like 
I don't know if it was only PC or if it was PC and uh, PC and Xbox crossplay. I'm not sure what was going on there. Um, but I was the best person on my team, which is a bad sign because it was my first game of online. And we got stomped. But it, and, and again, I didn't feel good playing it with the PC controls. I should check it out with like a controller and see if that's like, okay, this is what I'm looking for. But it wasn't a bad time, but just it didn't feel right, is the most I can say about Halo Reach on PC. And you played Destiny on PC for a while, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like Destiny, like they purposefully built it for PC and it was, it was originally a console game, but it, it feels really good on PC and something about Halo Reach just, I mean, you know, it's over, it's a decade old at this point or so, and it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Uh, and like the controls are weird. Like to swap weapons, you hit the one key, like to either one, cause you've got two weapons mm-hmm. and you just hit one to swap weapons and then you hit two to swap grenades. And that's weird. Oh, so it's like yeah. you're, you're using that and toggling between. Yeah, because you've got like you've got uh, frag grenades and sticky grenades. You probably get incendiary grenades at some point or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, and maybe that's only in three. But yeah, so you get like multiple types of grenades, but you it's just one button to swap between them instead of like a one and two for your guns or like a three and four for your grenades or whatever. Uh, so it's it's definitely like retraining your brain from what you're normally used to with first person shooters on PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks fine, uh, you know, playing 1440p. Uh, some weird, like, stuttering stuff, kind of, on the, uh, like, NPC models. When I was, like, walking by and I was, like, moving my camera a little fast, like, their characters kind of juddered a little bit in a weird way. I'm not even sure how to describe it, but it looks strange. But, yeah, uh, I, I I'll play more of it. But really, I just I'd want to play that with friends, and none of my friends who I played Master or you know Halo Reach with have PCs at the moment. But okay, so, so. but you can't like do the co-op campaign crossplay like between PC. Well, and they Xbox. also don't have Xbox. They don't oh. have Xbox Ones either. Okay. So. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> uh, it's it's a it's, uh, non it's a non go either way. It's on you know it's on Game Pass, so I didn't lose anything by playing it. Yeah. And they did weird stuff with like the multiplayer progression where it's all like season based. Oh, whereas before it was like, you just leveled up and then yeah. each level you'd like unlock some bullshit uh, for your, for dressing up your Spartan, but mm. it's different now. Is there any timeline? Cause this is the only master chief collection game on PC. Now is there a timeline for when the next ones are coming or they're doing, they're doing test flights for halo one. Like they're releasing them in chronological order. Oh. Um, so like they're doing beta stuff for Halo 1. I imagine by the end of this year, it'll be all out. Mm-hmm. But I don't know for sure when, like what the actual timeline is. Man, Master Chief Collection has had such a weird history. <laughs> like being yeah, But it, it oh, seems totally like they've... For a while. Yes, but it seems like they've at least got it in a, an acceptable place now. Yeah, what, three, which three is, or four years later? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but it's yeah it 
aside from like feeling weird, it seems like a good way to play Halo, especially if you're going to play on controller because it seems built for that. How, how do you feel about Halo Infinite? Like, does this make you want to jump back in? Like, is this scratching your Halo itch or is it making you more thirsty for Halo Infinite? I would need like my my memories of Halo are entirely wrapped in land stuff with my friends yeah, in high school sure. and playing like custom zombies games. Uh, so like I had fun playing through like the stories co-op or whatever, but that was never like the draw for me. Mm. So it, it'll be on game pass. So I'll probably play it, but I, I, I'm not like, yeah. yeah, Halo Infinite. I need to see this unless like I somehow get a magical group of friends that, can somehow recreate that high school magic, which is not going to happen because I don't have that many friends and getting 12 people together to play at one time is nigh impossible mm. outside of, you know, high school. So, you know, we'll see, but uh, I, I am interested to see what they do, but I am not like chomping at the bit for Halo Infinite. Yeah. But that's going to do it for what we played this week. And now we can move on to the news. There's a, there's, there's a fair amount of it this week, actually. Yeah, a lot of stuff happened. Some stuff we won't touch on because like the Star Citizen uh, lawsuit, because Pat is not here and Pat's our Star Citizen fanboy. And he can probably talk more about that than any of us can so check check him at twitter on pjc plays pjc plays where he is definitely not tweeting about this already but um this week we do have some more news about geforce now from nvidia bethesda pulls game pulls their games from geforce now excluding wolfenstein youngblood oh i didn't know the wolfenstein one that's funny yeah, Wolfenstein Youngblood is still available on GeForce Now. Okay. Uh, Skyrim, Fallout 4, et cetera, et cetera, have been pulled from GeForce Now. I don't understand why. Like, I Much like Activision, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I, It feels like having more places to play one's games is probably better because people still yes. have to purchase the game in order to play it. And it's like yes. people can... like. There's nothing stopping me from having my current PC and building a second PC and having that copy installed on two PCs. So what, yeah. why, why are they saying, okay, you cannot install it on GeForce Now, which is essentially just another PC, but it's just being streamed instead of on local hardware. Like, I don't understand why they're, they're doing that. I, 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 I don't know. Because um, NVIDIA is using their content to make money. That's, is the, it, real, that's the reason. Because they're using it in advertising? And they're not getting a big enough cut. My assumption is the, the they're also not offering. They're not doing anything. So <laughs> yeah, but like yeah, if you're going to use my content to make money, I will, I don't know businesses if they're using their art to make money, they want to cut. Sure, I, I can see that. that they're, but yeah. they're also letting them use Wolfenstein Youngblood. There is probably contractual reasons why Wolfenstein Youngblood has to stay on there. I would expect that maybe um, Youngblood was organized with a contract for its release when it came out last year. Mm. It's the most recent Bethesda release. 
and everything else they've just left. They've left. They've Maybe. left running. They yeah. took off. That's reasonable because it was a mass deal. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, you can hear Todd Howard wailing in yeah. his He's lament. He's still livid about GeForce now. Yep. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I I don't like. I don't make content like in terms of that people would pay for. Um, but like, it feels like to me. Yes, you know, they don't have to do anything. But like, once you say, for example, if you make a Netflix movie and Netflix like licenses it. You get a tiny bit of money every time somebody watches it, or whatever. I don't know whether the same thing is true of GeForce Now, or maybe that's what people want. Or like a lot of publishers but, seem to be stripping their games from GeForce yeah, Now. It's, it's a commercial product, and I think it's probably yeah, because the, Nvidia are making uh, money and they're yeah. not passing it on or not. But, but the know. weird thing is that. It's not like it's not a different version of the game. They like the people haven't had to do anything and people have already paid for the game. And so, I mean, if they want to, if developers want to pull out and go, no, you're not going to pay us for games. People have already bought and pay like, you know, pay them again. Then if they want to kill GeForce now, over that, then yeah. what the fuck are they the, doing? The only other thing I can think of that would make that kind of weird is licensing. Cause as in, when you purchase a game, you're not actually purchasing the game, you're purchasing a license to the game. Uh, like Even if you're doing something over Steam, right? Uh, yeah. You are licensing one copy of this game. And I wonder how that works for the GeForce Now servers, because yes, the license that you're playing, like you're ostensibly logging into a Steam instance on one of their machines, but I think the way their machines work is that they always have a copy installed. Basically, that's why it's instant play. So I wonder if they have to have like special license negotiations. That's like because uh, your license, if you purchase it on Steam, is a one to one. You can play this one copy of this game on your one install, usually, um, and or or at least with the one account. Be it if you have two computers, who cares. Uh, but this is distributing the same copy, the same installed copy of the game to potentially thousands of people. So I wonder if it is a licensing, like special license that they have to negotiate with the publisher or developer. Maybe, and, uh, you know, those deals are. I think we weird. know that the reason these things are off is business. Yeah, definitely. It's just. It's not technological. What the business <laughs> is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm curious about. It's just shenanigans, and it's anti-consumer, and it's all the all the people complaining it, about like is it anti-consumer or is it just the yes. business deal hasn't been made and no, you can't just do stuff without a business deal? You're saying that people can't use the games they bought in a way that isn't yeah, the way that they're licensed. Yeah, you bought a license to play it's a game. Sick. You didn't buy a game. Yeah, and I should be able to play that game. And yeah, you can. It's on Steam, and it happens to be on a remote desktop. Who cares? Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at with it being on my local machine versus one they host. Like, yeah, yes. Yeah. What what is what is the difference there other than yeah, you know, like, Nvidia is giving me a remote desktop, and why should Bethesda get a cut of Nvidia giving me a remote desktop when? Bethesda is contributing nothing to that transaction when I've already given Beth- I can't play that game unless I've given Bethesda 
$60, $20, whatever it is for the game they want. Yeah. It's shenanigans. Yeah, it's, it's sticky. I don't know. Because and it's a bunch like, of, they're, they're not Activision, Blizzard, they aren't the first people to pull their games from it. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, a lot of people pulled out right before the, uh, it went live, but. Yeah. I think we're going to, want people. I think we're still, it's kind of like the start of VR, right? Like when the, when the Oculus first came out, like we were still, we're still seeing the iron, like the edges being ironed out. I imagine mm-hmm. in about a year time, this stuff will be ironed out to at least a stable place. Yeah. They, I, this is only hurting streaming. Yeah. These folks are only hurting streaming by doing this. Yeah. And like, if they want to negotiate, uh, you know, negotiate, but, I, you know, I, I think the thing is I that I don't see where they have a leg to stand on in this case. Other than making money off of content that they've made. They're making money off of software that they develop that lets you remote yeah, desktop yeah, like, with low latency. Like, I don't think me purchasing 16 gigs of RAM from Corsair, which is necessary, which is more RAM which, from the internet, exactly, which is necessary to run most of these games or a GPU yeah. from. MSI or something like that. That they're not paying Bethesda because I run Fallout on that GPU. You know what I mean? Like it's no, kind of like it's, that's it is it is different. Like it's not the same. It's not one to one. Like Nvidia are have made a service that they're going to continually charge people for, not a one time purchase. And that service is making money using other people's content. So those people deserve a cut of that money. In my opinion, like what and you're saying is, was when people bought the game. Yeah, well, no, because when, like, because Nvidia are making money off of that game. They're not. Though. They're not. Yeah, they the, are. Nvidia doesn't get any money from selling the games because the games are just bought on Steam. Well, yeah. no, they're making money off of those games. If those game, if there were no games on GeForce Now, nobody would pay for it. <laughs> But no one's going. Ah, it's I'm just a remote GeForce desktop with Steam. There's desktop. there's no reason that every game couldn't run on GeForce now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's sticky. There, no work has to be done. Like developers don't have to do anything. It just it just works because it's remote desktop. Yeah, it's different. So, it's different than Stadia, where they're going out and specifically licensing games as a like, and they have to like develop them yeah, and like, Stadia, like do work Stadia to get them working. Version of this, like, like I imagine yeah. behind the scenes with the money thing is like they say, oh okay, four hundred people, which is most of Stadia audience, played uh, Tomb Raider this week. Okay, you get paid this yeah. much money for that. In this, like, yeah, like Andre says, it's just. It's essentially a tunnel into their machine, so you could be running this on a fifty-dollar piece of crap at home PC that barely works for anything except for opening this stream. It's yeah. like if Microsoft enabled the uh, like their X, like the, what XCloud X- streaming yeah. or whatever, but like the XCloud streaming from your home console, and yeah. then Bethesda went. Nah, you can't you can't stream Doom twenty twenty from your console. Uh, I don't think it's quite the same as that, but no, it but, is but it, it, it's it's a it's a it's approaching that. Like it's not from your console, but it's like it's the same idea. Like if they said you can't stream it at all, like it's definitely like it's it is different. They're like they are different. They are two different things. Yeah, 
Uh, but, but it is still the, weird. The xCloud and GeForce Now are basically equivalent. In terms of the end user experience, yeah, but they're going for different things. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it it just it's it makes me look side eye all the companies pulling out because I'm just like my my suspicion. You're being jerks. My my point of view is that they're probably pulling out because they don't have an active business deal, mm-hmm. and you need. There's, you you need to have something in place, whether it is monetary or whether it is literally just we allow you to have our content on your platform. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's probably just, what it is. It, or else all sh- of these people wouldn't be pulling out at the same time. It's it's shenanigans. It is shenanigans. Because I assume I would assume that Nvidia did the same deals with all the companies like same like same kind of language and not everyone's pulling out. It's like, you know, I think there's like 10 companies or something that pulled out. I think total, but like the big ones are Bethesda. It's Bethesda. I think Square Enix pulled some stuff. Uh, Capcom, I think pulled some stuff, but it's like, okay. Like, is it because of money? Is it because of like, guaranteeing user experience is it because of you know xyz who knows yeah uh so i i am curious to see what happens with the geforce now stuff and who pulls out what happens like how long does it take for that kind of stuff to come back because i think that's kind of the will be the big marker for streaming stuff not stadia not xcloud uh, xcloud i think will be important but i think geforce now is actually kind of the high watermark for the where people should be aiming for with streaming stuff yeah speaking of shenanigans what's this destiny 2 thing just to get it out of the way uh, all right <laughs> so uh y'all know who rasputin is yeah he's russian yeah rah, rah, rasputin Russia's greatest love machine. No, okay. So in Destiny, there are these things called war mines, which are big AI uh-huh. that um, are good at good at war and fighting and stuff. Rasputin's one of those. And uh, in Destiny Two, War Mind, the DLC from Year One, the second DLC, um, Rasputin was kind of a big a big deal. And Osiris was a big deal in the first uh, DLC for Destiny 2. But they never interacted. uh, But Osiris has been a big deal in Season of Dawn. Uh, Season of Dawn focused around Osiris and his buddy uh, Saint-14. And just this week, they, as Season of Dawn winds down, work in like the last three weeks or so, two and a half, three weeks of Season of Dawn, uh, a cutscene showed up uh, when people logged into Destiny 2, which featured Osiris walking into Rasputin's kind of like mainframe and facing off and uh, throwing some accusations around at Rasputin, uh, kind of fi- trying to find out where his allegiances lie, uh, which is, I think, a which many believe to be a teaser for what's going to happen in the third season of uh, Destiny 2 Shadow Keeps season pass. Nobody knows. 
but the implication is that maybe Rasputin isn't on the side of the light and you might have to side with Osiris or Rasputin in the coming season. So I don't know. That'll be cool. But it's interesting because it's following up on story threads that were put down in year one of Destiny or Destiny 2, year one of Destiny 2. And we're now in year three. And so they're going back to all that stuff with the season passes. So if they keep doing that, eventually we'll find out what happened to Aldrin after he killed Cade and we killed him. So. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting as someone who is now interested in destiny, but also I'm not, I don't know how much I trust Bungie to actually deliver on the story at this point because they have been kind of lackluster on that front. Speaking of lackluster. Oh geez. Which one are you going Sony, to? Oh, okay. Sony is not going to PAX East or GDC. Neither is Facebook going to GDC because coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Which I, for one thing, I think that's actually 100% valid. As someone who has attended both GDC and PAX East, um, people get sick at those very often because you're basically walking into like just a human Petri dish of... Oh, friggin' uh, Boston, I believe, has one confirmed case of Corona uh, from like a few weeks ago, mm. and it was from someone who was in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, but those numbers, I think, and they pulled out of Mobile World Congress, and oh well, yeah, but I think it's still totally GDC. valid because, like, I think paying attention to the numbers of coronavirus isn't actually that important. Like people are very, like they're running websites that are like tracking daily things as like they're almost gamifying it. But like the incubation period of coronavirus having zero symptoms for an unknown amount of weeks is pretty scary. Uh, and the ability for it to transmit to various places, like I a hundred percent see why not wanting to be in the middle of a giant conference with tens of thousands of people is a it's, priority uh, in in a realistic way, but also I think like Sony not being there. Like I think you said this before we started recording that it seems kind of like a convenient excuse for them in a way, but but also coronavirus is affecting the tech industry in a very yes. very large way. Well, yes. So it is it is supposedly reportedly having an impact on production of the PS5 and like Animal Crossing uh, Switch. But, yeah, uh, lots lots of things in the tech sector and non-tech sector, but lots of production things. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, a lot of stuff is made in China. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Um. So Sony, but it, so if they go, oh, coronavirus, uh, we we can't talk about the PS5 at these things because we're not there mm-hmm. um, because we don't know. Uh, but also I've seen a lot of people talking about like, PAX, GDC, uh, E3, these are all great places to meet with like indie developers, other developers in general, yeah. and sign deals. Yeah, and definitely. If Sony's just like sitting out all these events, that's that kind of like maybe that's an indication of maybe things will be a little thin on the ground. Uh, come, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I don't think things are going to be as thin as they were with like the PS4 or Xbox one launch. Yeah. But maybe they're, you know, they're not going to be courting as many uh, smaller developers as they were last yeah, time, if, which I, I don't think is a surprise. Were I a smaller developer who is bringing my game to 
or if I was attending GDC, like because the GDC tickets for non press people and like people who are just doing it on their own are very expensive, uh, like yeah. couple grand. Uh, and like if you were an indie developer who set aside that couple grand and like uh, housing in San Francisco and travel and all of that, with the expectation that hey, maybe if I go to this thing, I'll have the ability to meet some of the big players and kind of shake the right hands and maybe potentially make a deal or two, and then suddenly some of the big players just decide, oh, we're not going anymore. Like that's probably a big bummer yeah. because you have to get those tickets like a year in advance. So yeah. Or your visa is denied, or, which yeah. happens to many people. That, that, yeah, uh, that is also a thing. You might be able to refund your stuff. You probably won't be able to refund your GDC ticket, but I don't know if they let you do it. <laughs> like airfare and pull you. lodging. And, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, you there's, could probably do some something there at least. Maybe if you've got travel insurance, but even then, yeah. like it's. Uh, but either way, like the, it is causing. Like I can see an indie developer being like pretty on. Unhappy with that that turn of events, but but again, I, I, there are plenty of people to meet and network with, yes. and yeah. not at GDC and PAX and there. stuff. But it is like a it is just another like mm, is Sony okay? Yeah, I, I'm sure they'll have somebody there, or they'll have some people there, but just they won't be there in official capacity. I think um, uh, my POV, it is odd. Uh, my uh, my my thought is that Sony is like we're massively smashing everybody else. Um, we are by far the leading gaming product on the market. Ugh. We don't need to try. That's that's scary. why they've not. That's so scary because that's exactly what happened between the PS2 and the PS3. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to get the exact same thing again with the PS5. We're going to get like something that is like. A bit weird and overpriced, and is doing something that not many people want. Oh, unless speaking of, well, apparently PS Europe oh. is in charge of it, so maybe not. Yeah, I, I, I do need to admit I was wrong. I anticipated a February nineteenth or twentieth PS Five event reveal. Mm-hmm. It did not happen. Yeah, I'm sorry. I failed you, but 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 uh, loyal listeners. But yeah, I don't know. Looking into looking into it, I can see why people are saying this might be like a Sony decision to kind of like they're like, oh, whew, wow, glad we could throw that one away. But pragmatically, I also understand why someone would not attend those events, especially like yeah, if it's your if it's the leadership of your like if it's lead developers that are going to these conferences, uh, you don't want them to get fucked up and to stall it's your pipeline. Just it's. Odd how close to the events that they've pulled out, and well, I mean, coronavirus only became a thing like three weeks ago. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Like, I don't, I, I think that is the bigger factor. Yeah. Like, I expect it, they've been thinking business wise: can we pull out? Is it going to get better? Basically, is the coronavirus going to get better? It's a wait and see. It's a go no go. Like, yeah, you have exactly. to, yeah, it's you have to make a decision. It's about there, a month before they pulled yeah. out. Not many uh, organizations are pulling out. Like Sony is the most notable, so it, it is interesting that they are the ones uh, looking to that are that are citing that and going, no, yeah, we don't. We're, we're just gonna we're gonna play it safe. And I wonder, is that Sony Europe who's making that call? Is it Sony Japan? Is it you know Sony America? Like I who's because like these are American events that they're pulling out of. Yeah. 
So are the is it like the American branch that's kind of calling the shots on those or what? Well, uh, as know. far as I can tell, Europe is calling the shots for the PS5. But yeah, Europe but is in it, charge of Sony, PS, PlayStation. And yes, but like, like for them, North American marketing events is that the same thing, or you know, who knows? If, um, if they wanted to lead to not be these, if they wanted to not do these events, they would just have not organized to do them. They'd have known months and months and months in advance that they didn't want yeah. to do this stuff. Yeah. So but, yeah, but I'm, I think I'm they're wondering not pulling out because they have nothing. They're pulling out because they're concerned about Corona. Yeah, I'm. I'm just curious who's actually making those calls. Uh, is it the North American? Is it the European? Is it the Japanese? I would hope um, that it's the people who are actually going to go who would say, "Do you know what? We're actually yeah, not comfortable yeah. with this. That's, We're not comfortable uh, getting on a plane and being in a convention center during a epidemic." Although apparently it's only really bad. It's only really it's, deadly yeah. if you are old. It's it, pretty more more of a chance of getting the flu. It's pretty intense, though. I mean, SARS, which yeah. we all we obviously know was considered to be pretty major almost twenty years ago, that in, that mm. infected eight thousand people uh, with a couple hundred deaths. Currently, coronavirus has over seventy five thousand people infected with over a thousand deaths. So it is significant. Like it's significant, and the numbers we have to watch it like week by week, not day by day, because that's just going to increase. Yeah. So I, I I I get it. I I think. It makes sense to me again, and as a pragmatic thing, like I think we can read into the business side of it if we want. But I think for the people, the human beings that have to be on the floor, it makes one hundred percent sense to me. Yeah. Well, hopefully everyone out there avoids the Pax Pox. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This year, especially. Speaking of getting on an airplane and flying somewhere, Nintendo treated us. Treated Sam really <laughs> to an Animal Crossing direct, twenty five whole minutes of Tom Nook. Uh, well, to be fair, uh, laying out the terms of your life. To be fair, Sam and Allison, she's just not here. Allison's not here. What was what was in the terms of this alone that Tom Nook so kindly offered to you, Sam? Look, so everybody rags on Tom Nook, but he he gives you a mortgage, zero percent down, zero interest that you can pay off when you want. You could never pay Tom Nook a single bell, and nothing will happen. He'll break your As kneecaps. As someone who owns a house, <laughs> that doesn't—that's not a deal you can get in real life. Tom Nook yeah. is the world's greatest landlord, like the world's greatest. If you bank. know if you know somebody rich enough, you could. I don't think there's many. Re- even people who are like, oh. Just secretly sitting on fifty million pounds. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't, people I, I don't aren't going to be like, "Hey, do you want a couple hundred thousand? I don't think. Like, if, if, I don't think rich people got rich by saying zero percent APR. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah you, know, you got to get close to them first. Unless anyway. that person is a member of your family and also generous, you're fucked. Um, <laughs> so Tommy and Timmy are going to do great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Animal Crossing New Horizon. I don't think we need to talk about it too much because I expect that if you listen to this podcast, you probably watch that direct. Um, but I'm I didn't. Super I'm excited. on the podcast. You're not listening to <laughs> I, it. I, I listened I, to the direct. I was in the shower, <laughs> so I didn't watch uh, it. I think the shower the, direct. Yeah. The game looks fantastic. One of the best looking Switch games I've seen. I think a lot of that is because it has a fixed camera, so they don't need to show you most of uh, stuff. Camera fix. That's our next one. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it looks really good. And I have some concerns <laughs> because so like the big things that you can do in Animal Crossing are like fishing, bug catching, fossils. Like the museum is huge, mm. and it doesn't look like the museum is in the game at launch, or it isn't in the game when you first start playing. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about, they're like, oh, here's the game. Here's some stuff that happens further down the line. And I'm like, do they mean it's going to be patched in? Or do they mean that you earn these buildings? I, like I in, imagine the latter. Um, yeah. I think so too. Uh, in, um, in New Leaf, you earn new facilities and buildings and stuff. And that's the game, that's the Animal Crossing that I've played the most of by a country mile. Um, and like, so like, you know, you unlock KK's Club and you unlock Kicks and things like that. Uh, I'm hoping that it's similar to that in that like when you upgrade your house, you get new buildings in the town mm-hmm. uh, or on the island in this case. I don't, I have to say, I'm a bit annoyed that the buildings aren't all like on a main street in the same way they were in New Leaf. Like I really liked that the island, like the town, was the town, and and then the shopping street was the shopping street. Um, so having to what find are you trying and, to gentrify this island already, <laughs> Sam? So like finding having to find places on your island for all these buildings to sit will be annoying. Like, so you, you wish um, there was zoning laws on this island? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, yeah, kind I don't know. White, white nonsense is this. There's a lot, uh, yeah, I didn't read Alex's book, that's why. Yeah. Um, so women. There's a lot of there's a lot of really good stuff. Uh the game looks Invisible great. Invisible Isabel. There's a lot of um <laughs> a lot of progression that there's never really been in oh, Animal in, Crossing before. Sorry, but Invisible is such a good idea. Just the ghost of yeah. Isabel haunting you everywhere you go. Anyway, sorry. There is a ghost. There is a ghost in New Horizons. All right. And someone put it out in the back of a shot. You can see that there's a grave. So that's fun. Oh, it's yeah. not a, a grave, isn't a ghost. Also, the no, thing that they were gra- talking there is about. There's a ghost and there is a grave oh, in New Horizons. Okay. okay, well, that's weird. Why is this person buried on this island? Like, that, that was a question I had because I think I saw the thing about this character. It's like, oh, they're dead and they're buried on this island. And it's like, how the f- how fucking long have they been on this island? <laughs> like, I thought you just came here. Like, every- what? The shenanigans. Sorry for interrupting this, Sam. You were saying. <laughs> There's a lot of progression, it looks like, in the game. I'm excited about that. I, or- I had already pre-purchased the game. So, mm. like, you know, at some point <laughs> I was in no matter what, but I really wanted to see more of like what the game was going to be like um i still think it is extreme hogwash that you can only have one uh island per switch i don't really care about the cloud save stuff that's been the same the whole <laughs> that's, time that's pretty it's pretty dumb stupid yeah i mean like it's, it's it's not the kind of thing that you can only recover a lost save once yeah it, it, like it's hopefully you're not losing your switch multiple times like, uh, but yeah why on earth can i only if my switch gets stolen or like i drop it in the toilet or you know whatever you know normal things that happen to a switch uh-huh. why can i only salvage my village once because nintendo doesn't know how to use the internet 
I think that they're trying to limit people farming for rare stuff. Um, well, I think that was the why before. It's not a massively multi. Some people want to play that game. It's not a massively like, multiplayer whatever. game. <laughs> I don't know. I think I don't really know. Let's just yeah, say it upfront. I don't know why they're doing it. It doesn't bother me. I you know Nintendo doesn't know how the internet. Yeah, like works. I, I don't see that as being a thing to push you all the way away from pre-ordering or ordering the game, whatever. But it is. It is yeah, dumb. Shenanigans. <laughs> it, it is another example of Nintendo just being boneheaded with the misusing internet, using the internet. Yeah. 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 So in in short, <laughs> I will be playing this game. It does. It comes out on the twenty fourth of March, right? Sure. Uh, I, don't I think know. it's the twenty fourth. So that's the same day as Trails of Cold Steel 3 on Switch. Well, you want to finish Trails of Cold Steel 2, so you'll be okay. I legitimately don't know how much I'll be able to play Animal Crossing. I'm going to try and massively push to finish 2 this month. I played like 40-odd hours of 1 in end of January, beginning of February, so I think I'll do it all right. Anyway, I have to go... We know Todd Howard. I have to go help uh, raise a baby. Good Uh, luck. As you can hear in the background. Yes. Um, thank you. Well, tell Todd Howard to put the games back on GeForce Now. Yep. It's for um, the people. For the uh, he, he's waiting for his percentage. Yeah. So he, he, can can't, s- he, he can't buy leather jackets and cowboy boots. So sad. Uh, free. Yeah. Well, okay. so the, the fewer people go, playing it on GeForce Now, the fewer people buying Adams on Fallout 76. Yep. So. If you go to Fix Podcasts, you can find all my shit linked there. Love, I love you all. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. I'll I'll clap after I finish this recording. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Um, Uh, All right. Well, moving on to the next news. Uh, Neither of us give a shit about Animal Crossing. (laughs) Not Uh, at all. NVIDIA... Uh, and back in the news because they don't fucked up alex yeah, this is the most they made a dis- dire mistake dis- this is like a serious misstep disappointing there have been talks about amd delivering the nvidia killer uh, mm-hmm. sometime this year and i think this is just kind of the fi- final nail in well, the coffin for NVIDIA. nvidia killed itself with this one yeah it's uh in honor, uh, or not in honor, but like in collaboration with uh, Cyber, Cyberpunk 2077 developer CD Projekt Red, they NVIDIA is releasing a black and yellow uh, Cyberpunk edition of their uh, RTX 2080 mm-hmm. that they didn't call an RT, RTX 2077. Yeah. Like, it's they're done. That's it. That's Dr- it. Stock price is plummeting. <laughs> Their executives resigning in disgrace. It's 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 nonsense. Like it's truly just absolutely. It it was it was sitting right there. They just had to remove three numbers, and they could have had a. They could have knocked it out of the park. It's just minus thirty three or plus seventy seven if they did an RTX twenty seventy. But it's yep, yeah, it's. I don't think we should even give it that much more time because like Nvidia no, fucked up so hard. It's just they they fucked up so bad. It was right there. Speaking of fucking <laughs> up so bad, <laughs> HQ Trivia has shut down. I didn't know it was still going, honestly. Well, it's because Scott Rogowski yeah, left. And as and soon as once Scott Rogowski was gone. Was it that he left or that they got rid of him? I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was a it was a kind of a little column a little column b yeah 
Um, yeah, I again had no idea it was still going, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, I stopped sometime in early 2019 or late or sometime in 2018. I don't even know when. Uh, yeah, that's how long ago it was. But yeah, it was. Everyone got laid off, and they did one final show, and it sounded like a like a party. Yeah, HQ uh, horrible horrible party where everyone was let go. Yeah, like I mean, such is the fate of the video game industry, and it's just such a yeah, talk, it's, and it's, the media industry in general. Uh, yeah, media, but I would say video games more than most. Uh, because True. it's so dependent on whatever game you're doing being a hit, and for something yep. like HQ Trivia, which is like they're literally doing daily shows, like it needs to be yeah. a continual hit forever. People need to come back to it in order for it to to continue to employ people. And mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, I didn't even realize it was still going. So, and we we follow this industry pretty closely. Um, I don't know. HQ was really, really interesting for like a year and a half, like maybe. And and then people started writing bots to just win every round, yeah. and then it just got less interesting. Yeah, which is fucked up. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's a shame they weren't able to like counteract that and deal with it. Yeah. But uh, and I saw something that they might be trying to revive it. Why? Uh, because uh, it, it there's a brand name there, and the first time. Oh yeah, it's well, maybe you know, if uh, maybe if they made like a you don't know Jack kind of thing, like who knows with an HQ um, trivia kind of thing. Sure, but but maybe. But if it doesn't have Scott Rogowski, then what's the point? Yeah, I mean, their other hosts were good, to be honest. Like. Like the Scott, the yeah, guest ones weren't were so great, but like the other hosts had, mm-hmm. or the other normal hosts they had were good. But Scott Rogowski is, he's an institution. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad he got out of there and was able to uh, make some of himself. And I hope all those people are able to do something with themselves. I think it was like 25 people uh, was the number laid off. Yeah, or losing a job at this point. Not really laid off if there's no company left, huh? Yeah, but. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I hope all those people land on their feet and some some good happens to them. Yeah, because they they made an interesting thing. They did. It was very creative. Uh, it was from the Vine people, wasn't it? Like, yes one of one of them died yeah. over the course of that. Yeah. Did you know when you log into Byte, it says in memory of whoever the guy who died mm, was? I didn't know that. I can't remember his name. Yeah. So yeah, when you whenever you boot it up, it's. It's got a little memoriam. I don't know how long that lasts, but I mean that's that's nice. I can appreciate that, yeah. but still, yeah. Uh, it does not say sponsored by Sweet Green. <laughs> how dare they? <laughs> those thanks, Satan. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, hopefully, all those people land on their feet. Uh, but I got to go land on my back because it's very late and I want to go to bed. Yep, and you have been drinking. So we're so. going <laughs> I, to. I can't let the listeners know I'm drunk because I definitely didn't do that at the beginning of the episode. Uh, that is going to do it for episode 109 of Gaming Fix on this February 22nd, 2020. I've been your host, Andre Cole. AKA your girl's favorite Linux distro. Mm-hmm. You are. You can find me on Twitter 
at Coolslaw, C-O-O-L-S-L-4-W. Alex, where can people find uh, you? Probably playing that World of Horror game. Okay. Is that out on PC yeah. yet? On Game Pass? Uh, okay. I think so. Okay. All right. Uh, I want to check that out. Uh, you can find Sam at SGCH and, on Twitter and or taking care of a fussy Todd Howard. And or taking care of a fussy IMDB. That too. Yeah. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter at fix podcasts or email us at gaming at fix space with your questions, comments, hopes, wishes, uh, recipes. Oh yeah. I'm always down for a good Please recipe. Send all the recipes. And we will be back next week with a new episode. Okay. And you can check, you can uh, check the website for maybe a review of death and taxes and some other stuff. Maybe I hope. Yeah. Because we haven't done anything this year, yeah, yet, we so have not yet really we'll something. Through it. Um, there's not, there's not been a lot of games, and nothing that's grabbed us that has like warranted that kind of uh, coverage so far. No. So, um, All right, Andre, something for Kentucky Route Zero up yeah. there. Goodbye, have, everybody. Have a good sleep. Okay, good night. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.